Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Welcome to Marvin United Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service broadcast. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor of one of Tyler's historic downtown churches. Today we continue a five-week all-campus sermon series on worship. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given to me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is this, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. What a joy to be with you today, a special day with some special music as well as an opportunity to share, as I said, in communion together with the entire world of Christians gathering at one table today with the Lord. Will you pray with me? Lord, in these moments, as your word is proclaimed, I ask that you might hide me behind the cross, but most importantly, Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit to connect the dots of some of these important celebrations of the past that are connected with Holy Communion and stories of Jesus and, and promises of Jesus that connect us to the fulfillment of his kingdom as we will gather at one table one day in paradise with Christ. So Lord, give us foresight to look with anticipation to what is to come but to be here in the present now to experience Christ's grace as we break bread together. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, 12 years ago, I had an incredible opportunity. I got to go with a group of Marvin people on what is called a vision tour with Mercy Ships. Got to go to Togo, Africa. Got to see the Africa Mercy, which is a surgical hospital ship there serving the poorest of the poor in action. And it was an amazing experience. But let me tell you one of the most amazing things that I was able to take away from that trip was on Pentecost Sunday of all days, the church, as it customly did there on the ship, would gather on Sunday evenings to share in a service of worship and Holy Communion. And so there on the other side of the world, I got to experience a national grouping of people because Mercy Ship says they at times will have 50 different nations represented in their ministry. So we had such a cross-section of people there worshiping God on Pentecost Sunday and then sharing Holy Communion together. It was an amazing moment. I felt like in that moment, I was really taking in what we talk about in our Holy Communion when we say one in Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world. I was living into that liturgy. I was experiencing it and seeing it for myself as this national group of servants were, were gathered that day, one day, in presence of God as the bread was lifted up and we shared the common cup. 
Jessica Legrone and uh, Tisa Mallory in their chapter entitled Grace, Healing, and Unity in the book Next Methodism say this, when we hold aloft as we will do today the bread and the cup and declare the words of institution, we should take a moment to realize that Christians in vastly different circumstances and settings around the world are performing the same act, unifying us in the presence of Christ. The table provides a place where we tangibly and regularly become one with the world in a beautiful way. Friends, it's World Communion Sunday. Christians all across this globe are sharing in the broken bread of Christ and they're lifting up the cup of salvation. And we are sharing in this moment together at one table with the world. Today we're concluding our sermon series on worship. We've been talking about worship now for five weeks. We're gonna take a closer look at Holy Communion and its meaning. And I want to just start by saying there are three gospels we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they record for us that wonderful gathering with Jesus in the upper room and the words that were shared in that moment. The Gospel of John gives some outside teaching. There was what we call the farewell discourse. While Jesus was gathered for the Passover meal, he shared other teachings which John records for us. But if we look at the synoptics, and especially I want to share with you from the Gospel of Matthew these words. Jesus took bread... And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Luke would add, Do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. Friends, I want you to know that the great thanksgiving out of the United Methodist Church's book of worship and also our hymnal. And as Christians gather around the world today, whatever denomination they are using are in, they will be speaking these very words. And I wanted you to know they are lifted right out of the scriptures, right out of that discourse with Jesus as he gathered in that upper room. Paul will speak to the church in Corinth about Holy Communion, and he will include the words similar to Luke, do this whenever you drink it and remember Jesus. It is in John's gospel, as I said, that we get some of the extra teaching. And that's where our scripture lesson comes today from John, the sixth chapter. Extra teaching about Jesus having a conversation about him being the, the broken body that, is, that they will ingest and his blood being shed. And that is what they will drink that gives us the background that we will see. That is John 6. But there is other teaching in John 14 that I'll be making reference to as a part of that final discourse in the upper room. There is a rich theological teaching for us to embrace about Holy Communion. Again, as I pray this morning, I ask the Holy Spirit to connect some of the dots for us to help us see how the Passover lamb of the past becomes our Passover lamb in Jesus. Help us to understand the wedding customs of the day of Jesus and how we can look forward to the bridegroom returning for us to claim his bride someday. Those are some of the rich things I want us to put together today as we talk about Holy Communion. 
It was Jesus, he had just fed 5,000 people, just looking at the scripture from uh, John 6 that I just read. He's, he's been on the Sea of Galilee, he's been on the hillside, he took the bread, he multiplied it, the people ate, and guess what? Because they saw the miracle, because they all ate and had their stomachs filled, his popularity began to rise. So much so that the next day they were hunting him down. They were looking for him when Jesus was trying to have some time with the disciples and also some time with God in prayer. The crowds tracked him down and Jesus admonishes them by saying a little bit before I read from the scripture this morning, if you would just work so hard to find me as if you would take that same energy, that same enthusiasm and look for the things of God and work for the things of God, you will find that you will have eternal life. You will be blessed, he said, if you work this hard for the food that endures forever. Not just another meal, that then you'll be hungry again, but you are looking for something that will satisfy your soul. And Jesus is gonna say to them, I am the one who satisfies. Verses 32 and 33 that I read, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Friends, did you hear that? The true bread comes down from heaven. It gives life to what you and me the bread of heaven giving life to you and me. So the first point I want to say this morning, if you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin, is this. Pursue the bread of God that is given and gives life to the world. In my studies this week, I discovered uh, some of the commentators pointed out that it was a certain expectation that those individuals who had seen the, the miracle, seen the multiplication of bread, were triggered at a Bible, what I would call a Bible echo in their brain, those who were the Jewish people, because they were thinking of the manna that God provided for the people in heaven. And he again is saying to them that manna that God provided daily for the people as they wandered in the wilderness back as they came out of the Exodus, this is a connection. And in fact, Baruch 2, which is a apocalyptic book, it's not in our Bible, but it talks about when the, when the Messiah comes, there will be a treasury of manna that shall again descend from on high. And if these people had been studying and looking and waiting for a Messiah, and then they see the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, they're going to begin to think that this man Jesus may be the Messiah, and they're looking for another miracle. Jesus is going to say to him, God is the one who has brought this incredible miracle for you all to see today. But let me tell you more than that. If you look back to Moses, they were fed for a time, for a season, but all of the people then died a physical death. And Jesus is saying, those who eat of me will never die. You will live on past your physical life with eternity in heaven. So pursue the bread of God that gives life to the world and life everlasting, Jesus is saying. So friends, as we think about this passage, and as we think about, and certainly in my recent history, as you know, very public uh, experience that happened right here, if we neglect our bodies of food and of drink, our bodies will probably tell us and, and push back a little bit, right? Amen, I can say, could Deva testify? Can I testify to that? We are created in such a way that our bodies hunger. And what Jesus is tapping into here is you also have a spiritual hunger. Do you know that? You have a spiritual hunger. God has placed within you a spiritual hunger that 
is a part of that soul that he has placed within you. God has made us spiritual beings. We have spiritual need that we want to find meaning and we want to find purpose in this life. And let me tell you, the things of the world, they will not satisfy. And if they do satisfy, it's like food. It's only for a little while. But the things of heaven that are eternal, they bring eternal satisfaction. Jesus said, you will never hunger again and you will not thirst if you feast on me. Church father in St. Uh, Saint Augustine of the 300s is notorious for this statement. The human heart is not at peace until it finds its peace in God. French mathematician Blase Pascal once stated, uh, there is a God-shaped void in every human heart that only God can fill. People walking around this earth, friends, they have a, a hunger inside them. They want something to satisfy them. They keep trying for that next promotion. They keep wanting to get that dream house or that wonderful car to someday own a boat. And they, they keep having these other things that they just want to have and they just never get satisfied. Well, that's because, friends, you're a spiritual being and only God can satisfy your hunger and Jesus is the answer. Christian educator and musician Rob Evans, a.k.a. the Donut Man, who if you were growing up in the 1990s or if you had children that were growing up, as Gene and I did, we listened to the Donut Man videotapes over and over and over again. They are like the Veggie Tales, right? Okay? But Donut Man had this song called Life Without Jesus is Like a Donut. There's a hole in the middle of your heart. And I think that was cute. I always remembered he liked to put a donut hole inside donuts. And so I'm just saying, we ought to start a ministry here at Marvin Church. When you go to have donuts, there should be donuts with donuts uh, with a hole in the middle, and somebody should plug those holes with Jesus. We'll call those the genus Jesus donut holes. Whoever wants to sign up for that, maybe looking at needing to, <laughs> maybe, maybe need to go on a diet sometime soon if you take on that ministry, let me just say. But friends, we do. We work hard to get things in life, to get educated, to have a career, to raise our family and to educate our kids, to launch our kids out of the world, to build a strong church, to build a community. And I think Jesus is saying, we even play hard, don't we? We play hard at our leisure and our pleasure activities. And I think Jesus wants to ask us a question this morning and here it is. How hard do you work to pursue the bread of God that gives life to the world. Do you work hard to be in church? Do you work hard to, to receive the sacrament of communion? Do you work hard to be fed by his word and to sit in God's presence and listen for God to speak? Or are we too busy pursuing the things of the world? Jesus was be asked a question or be told a statement by the crowd, sir, always give us this bread. And that was his response. His response to that was, I am the bread of life. Communion, friends, is God's way of celebrating Jesus' claim, I am the bread of life. We feast at his heavenly banquet table here in the present time, looking forward in anticipation to the day where we will be gathered with all the world one day and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And what a glorious day that will be. And the church is gathered up in heaven and we will celebrate at another banquet table. And we are just practicing for it as we gather today with the world. It was the I am statements that Jesus made, making that statement that I am the bread of life, just as God had used the I am to Moses. I am who I am. 
And that was a significant uh, identification, one of seven that Jesus used in John's gospel. So let me just say, in harmony with what I've said about Jesus being the bread of life and pursuing, all of us pursuing the bread of God that gives life to the world, let me give you a quote from John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. He said this of Holy Communion, Holy Communion is the grand channel through which God imparts his grace to us. We call Holy Communion one of two sacraments. And a sacrament is a means by which God's grace passes to us. When we do this act, we receive God's grace. John Wesley also said, as our bodies are strengthened by bread and wine, so our souls by these tokens of body and blood of Christ. This is the food of our souls that gives strength to perform our duty and leads us on to perfection. If therefore we have any regard for the plain command of Christ, if we desire the pardon of our sins, if we wish for strength to believe, to love and obey, then we should never neglect an opportunity to receive Holy Communion. So today, as we celebrate together this meal, I wanna just lift out some significant meanings and connect some dots for you. First of all, Jesus didn't declare that his body and blood, here in John we see it, but in the upper room, it's in another context. It's in the context of the Passover supper that Jesus will lift the cup before his disciples and make mention of the body and his blood. Jesus on the night before he was betrayed and arrested and crucified will gather them in an upper room for a Passover meal. And the Passover meal was the most sacred of feasts of the Jewish people. They commemorated the final plague when Moses called forth that plague. God brought the plague upon the people of Egypt to convince the Pharaoh that they needed, that he needed to let God's people go. And on that 10th plague, you might recall the death angel visited Egypt and every child died, but the Hebrew people were spared because what? They sacrificed a lamb. They took the blood of that lamb. They put it over the doorposts of their homes and the death angel passed by. There's significant meaning. This is all recorded in Exodus 12. And let me just say this. Not only did they sacrifice the lamb and use the blood to cover them, their doorway, they also ate of that lamb. And so, again, a parallel we're seeing here, Jesus wanting to have us ingest part of his uh, blood and his uh, body as we consecrate those elements of bread and juice for us today. Two things are celebrated. First of all, the people were set free from slavery because of this act. And secondly, they were set free from death. They were removed from the death curse of that angel. And so spiritually speaking to us, we are set free from sin. You don't have to be in bondage to sin. You can be set free from your Egypt and go to where God is calling you to a promised land because of the blood of Christ. And friends also, because of the blood of the lamb, you do not have to fear death. You do not have to fear death when you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No bones were broken on the sacrificial lamb, according to the, the teaching of Exodus 12, 46. And we know that John 19, 36 says that when Jesus was crucified, because of his early death on that cross, his bones were what? Not broken. 
and we see Paul making the parallel. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. It is in that context of the Passover meal that Jesus lifts the cup and he fulfills the promise of Jeremiah when he says, there is a new covenant of my blood that is shed for you. And friends, also, he gave us a way to remember him as we come and we share in Holy Communion, either weekly or on a monthly basis here at Marvin Church, we are remembering the passion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died, right, was raised, and will come again. Let me say also in that context, Jesus taught a farewell discourse as recorded in John 14. He says the words that are very familiar, often used in, in funeral services, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that where I am, you might be also. John 14, verse 3. And the meaning of that is the wedding betrothal practice of the Jewish people of the day. And what was beautiful about that is when the groom came with the father, the father had negotiated a bride price and God had negotiated through the atonement of his son, the price that would be that for us to be in relationship with God. The bride price has been negotiated, a cup is shared. And when Jesus uh, lifts up the cup before them and as if he is saying to the church, the disciples gathered there, as you drink of this cup, you are in covenant with me. Why? Because friends, that was the wedding practice of the day. When the groom handed that cup over to the bride and she took it, they were making a pledge to each other. I love you and you love me and we are going to be married one day. But in the meantime, I'm going to go back to my father's house. I'm gonna add on a room to my father's house. And then one day I will come back and claim you to be my bride. We will consummate the marriage and there'll be a wonderful celebration. See how it all fits together. Here in the upper room, Jesus is talking to the forward church, the bride of Christ, us, who will one day be gathered together in a wonderful celebration. It's a gift that God has been given to us. I realized also in my study this week that before the bride and groom would have their betrothal service, pledging their love to each other to be married probably within the year, that they each would go to the mikvah, which was a, a ceremonial bathing place where they would be purified, go through similar purification. And so the promise was we would be pure while we waited. That's another beautiful point there. We know that Jesus was baptized. We know there's no doubt about Jesus' purity, but listen up, church. We too have been purified and we are in a process of remaining pure and faithful as we wait for Christ to come and claim his bride. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And as it says in Revelation 19, the wedding of the lamb has come, the bride has made herself ready, fine linen and bright and clean has been given to her. Blessed are those who've been invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. Have you been invited? You have been invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. And we wait in anticipation and we practice today at Holy Communion for that wonderful day. Verse 40 is where I'm gonna wrap this up today. And verse 40 says this, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Will you be raised up at the last day with those who put their faith and their fidelity and their purity in Christ? Friends, that is what we anticipate and that's what we look forward to. 
Again in the book, Next Methodism, just as we practice the daily habit of kissing children on their way out the door, telling our spouse that we love them, the sacrament of communion is a repetitive act of love that wears deep grooves of lasting love. God continually offers constant signs of divine love while communion brings us to a place of awareness and receptivity to God's presence in our midst. And as I read those words, a repetitive act of love that wears deep grooves of lasting love in us, I thought about something I read. Have you ever had this experience when you read something and you want to remember it and you can't find it when you go back and look for it? But I read recently in a book, it was talking about neuro, neuroscience. It was talking about ways they can study the brain and the impacts of when people do certain things and try to create certain habits, what impact it has on their brain. And when you repetitively do something to build a positive habit, there's something happened neurologically up there. There's pathways that are being created and they can actually see this in x-rays or CAT scans or whatever they're doing where they're seeing these patterns that are being created. And I love that because that's exactly what they're capturing here. When we share in Holy Communion, it wears deep grooves of lasting love into us. And that's what we hope to experience today. Not just in our minds, but in our hearts. The lasting love of Jesus Christ for all of us. So one last thing about church conference night. Traumatic event for many people, yes. But also something beautiful. I was talking to... Administrative Council Chair Jeffrey Wilbanks, who shared this story with me and he and Patty, because I fell out and was unable to participate in sharing and serving Holy Communion to you. Patty and Jeffrey stepped up and served that night. And Jeffrey said to me in a meeting this week, as he watched people come down the aisle to receive Holy Communion, many were distraught. Many had a look of concern on their faces. But then when the bread was placed in their hand and they heard the words, this is my body given for you, and when the cup was given to them and they heard the words, this is the blood shed for you, it was if, as if the peace of Christ just washed over them. Their whole demeanor changed as they stood here before the altar. Isn't that beautiful? Friends, that's what we call Holy Communion. That's what we call the Last Supper. It's God bringing his peace and washing us over and that's what happens when Jesus, the bread of life, is offered to us at table. So friends, let's gather today with all the world at the Lord's table. We have been invited. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I would like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. on our campus at 300 West Irwin Street, downtown Tyler. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and its ministry and serving opportunities. And if I can be of any assistance in your spiritual growth, I hope you'll let me know. If you'd like to contribute to our ministry of Marvin Church, please do so by following the information provided.